one week I put this thing out and my wife informed me after service that this thing was sticking straight up like I had antennae. So it's like, that's all, that's all, that's all the help I need. <laughs> that's all I need. Uh, yeah, so if you notice, we, uh, we started doing children's church again. Um, so if you have, uh, if you're listening on out in computer land and you, you, you've had kids and you don't come because you're afraid they would run up and down the aisles and knock things over and, and uh, shame you and your family members, <laughs> uh, you can bring them and send them downstairs and let, let the people down there deal with them. You know what I mean? For heaven's sakes. Uh, we want to we wanna serve our kids too, right? We love our kids. Uh, they're, well, I mean, what's more important, right? Uh, and we want to pass on the truth of God's word to the next generation. It is so vitally. I don't know if you've noticed or if you've been paying attention, but things are a little crazy in the world today. You know what I mean? And going right along with that uh, is people are going to become less and less tolerant to the word of God, right? And, and some of you probably uh, maybe perhaps have already dealt with some things like that or have had family members. Uh, Dad, you horribly offended somebody. I don't know if you're aware of this. I got a call. I got a call this week, not by the offended person, uh, but dad was preaching and, and, and teaching from the word. And he said something and this guy had posted this message online and somebody listened to it and they were, they were not happy. And it caused a real rift and a real problem in his family. Uh, and, and he was broken up about it, you know, and he was crying and, and I prayed with him and I, and I said, look, there's something that we all better be ready for. Okay. The time is coming and is, and, is, and is now here upon us when we are going to have to choose between what God's word says and what man says. Very simple, okay? Uh, Dad, first service, uh, Joshua chapter 5 ends up, and we're going to recap that a little bit, about the angel of the Lord appearing to Joshua. And Joshua says, whose side are you on? Are you on our side? Or are you on the side of, uh, of the Canaanites? And the angel just says, No. But as commander of the Lord's army, have I come? And that's where God stands. You understand? You know, you know that, that God's not a Republican, right? And he's not a Democrat, and he's not an independent, he's not the Green Party, or whatever, okay? He is none of those things. And I'll tell you why. Because all of these things divide men. They divide men, okay? And of course, ladies, when I say men, I say mean mankind, all right? You're included. It divides people. And God is only interested in dividing people based upon one thing, and that is his holy word, okay? Guys, when it comes to God, when it comes to heaven and hell, when it comes to our relationship with him, when it comes to what it takes to please him, to have a relationship with him in the first place, it is here. It is not in a ministry. It is not in a, a, a book written by men. It is not in any world philosophy or way of thinking. It ain't on Oprah, okay? It's here in the Word of God. And the Bible calls upon each one of us to study and show ourselves approved. Workmen of God who need not be ashamed. Why? Because we rightly divide the Word of Truth. Because now the world is just coming out and saying, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't even call that thing a sin or that thing a sin. The Bible doesn't even say that. That's a mistranslation. That's a this, that's a that. That is not true. That is not the Word of God says what the Word of God says, and it's consistent. Our job as followers of Jesus Christ and as children of Almighty God is to first and foremost, in all things, love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? 
oftentimes we got bigger fish to fry than worrying about other people, right? Like the fish at our house, at our fry, right? Right? We, that's first things first. I got to get my heart undivided, right? Dur- this morning, during the hours of self-loathing <laughs> from 3 to 4 a.m. as I lay awake in bed, like this, right? And God's dealing with me in my heart about these things. You're divided here, son. You're divided here, son. You're not where I want you to be here, son. There's only one answer to that. God, forgive me, a sinner, and help me by the power of your Holy Spirit to not have a divided heart, but to follow wholly after you in all that I do and say. The second commandment that is like the first, Jesus Christ said, is that we love our brothers and sisters and we love our neighbors as ourselves. Now, who is our neighbor? That was a question that was posed to Jesus. And Jesus used the example of the person you hate the most. That's your neighbor. And that's the one that God has called you to love. But know this and understand this. We can never correctly, rightly treat or love people the way God intends us to unless our first, our heart is right with him, right? First, our relationship with God has to be right, and then we can deal rightly with people the way Jesus dealt with people. Jesus spoke the truth. And it wasn't always popular. How do I know this? Well, they killed him. That's one small reason, right? They killed him, right? People left him. All the disciples that he had starting off deserted him to the point where he finally turned to the 12 and said, what about you? Were you going to leave too? And Peter, for the one time during that three-year ministry of Jesus, had the right thing to say, right? One of the few times. And he said, and it was just Peter talking like I would talk. You know what I mean? Like, where would we go? Where would we even go? Maybe Peter didn't even know where he was. I don't know. But where would we go? You have the words of truth and the words of life. To whom else would we go? And we have to have that same heart. My friends, you cannot bring people to Jesus Christ by telling them stuff that is not in the Word of God. And you cannot bring people to Jesus Christ through whom is the only way to the Father. How do I know it? Because Jesus Christ himself said, I am the singular way. I am the singular truth. And I am the singular life. And no one, and how many might no one be? There's no exceptions to no one. You get that, right? And no one goes to the Father except through me. We need to stop countenancing sin. And we need to stop having pet sins that we like versus pet sins that we hate. All of mankind stands condemned before the Lord God because of sin. And it don't matter what sin it is. It could be what you consider to be a big sin or what you might consider to be a little sin, a little white lie or something like that. Sin separates us from God. Jesus Christ came to this planet to show us exactly how it looks to walk perfectly before the Lord, and then he died on the cross. Why? Because we can't. Because we can't walk perfectly before the Lord. You know you sin in your dreams? You know you sin. You got things in your life that are sin before God that you don't even know yet? Anyone who says, I can walk blameless before God is kidding themselves. And anyone who would look at anyone else out in the world and say, I'm better than that person, is kidding themselves. 
Because the Bible teaches that the heart of a man is desperately wicked, and it's beyond finding out. What that means is, I don't even understand or know the dark places my heart could go to, and I'm capable of anything. That's why Paul cries out, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Now, if St. Paul says his body's a body of death, how's yours looking? Right? I mean, hello. I stand in the mirror. Oh, and that's before I even see what I look like, right? Then I really cry. I cry twice. Who am I? I'm a servant of the Most High God. Who are you? You're a servant of the Most High God. And that's a double-edged sword. Because the first thing that it means is that it ain't about you. And that's a tough pill for us to swallow, right? A tough people for some people to swallow. No, no, that's a tough people, a, a tough pill for everyone to swallow, right? Because I can say, it ain't about me. It ain't about me. Listen, I'm just like Jesus. I'm like a chubby Jesus with less hair probably. That's really basically what you're looking at over here. And then my sump pump breaks and my water fills up in my basement. And suddenly, where's Jesus? Jesus is gone. Now it's a fat, hairy, angry man. And he's in the basement. He's flinging the water. You know what I mean? Okay? Suddenly, I don't look so hot. Okay? And you realize these things about yourselves. I, I, when I talk about the hours of self-loathing, I don't, I don't hate those. I don't hate those. I don't ask God to take those away from me. I say, more, Lord. More, Lord. Show me. Show me. So that there would never come a day in my life that I think I've arrived and I would look back at someone else and treat them as any less than what they are, a treasure to Almighty God. No matter who they are, no matter what affiliations they have, you see, it doesn't make a difference. Because God created us in His image and the Bible says that he is patient, wishing for how many to perish? None. But for how many to come to repentance? All. How many is none? How many is all? All. None. Jesus wants no one to miss the train, right? Jesus wants everyone. Listen, you're his hands and his feet. You're his hands and his feet. As the scripture says, how will they know unless someone tells them? And how will someone tell them unless they're sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's what the gospel means. It means good news. It doesn't mean go conservative or die, right? It doesn't mean vote this way. It doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean that. The, the gospel means good news. And there's only, one at, there's only one message in that good news. You were lost because of sin, and Jesus died on the cross so you could have eternal life and that you might be called a child of the Most High God. I just don't know how to tell you any better news. If you're feeling down, I don't know any other way to make you feel better. There's nothing I could possibly imagine that would make you happier or make you more glad or get you out of, of a funk faster than by telling you you are of great value to your Maker. He loves you, and He has a plan for your life. Here's what it takes, friends. Faith faith. A lot of lip service, guys. Right here. A lot of lip service. A lot of lip service. Sometimes I, I make the mark. So often I miss the mark. Where the rubber meets the road, that's where faith is important. Not here. It's good here. It's wonderful to have faith in God. I believe everything you're saying, pastor, sounds great. Sounds wonderful. Tell another joke, funny man, okay? 
When you go tomorrow to work and you walk in and immediately your boss is like, like that, okay? Show me your faith then. When somebody dies that you love dearly, show me your faith then. When you're ill or you're broke or you lose your job, show me your faith then. That's real faith. And that's the faith that this world so desperately needs to see. Not that I stand above them or apart from them, but I'm right in the same waters with them, and yet I'm walking on the water while everyone else around me is sinking, and that they would look and say, how do you do it? And I could say, it's the author and the finisher of my faith. It's Jesus Christ, and you can have victory in this life. You can cross over the Jordan River in this life. And you can walk a victorious life, and you can have blessing in your life, and you can bless other people, which is more important in your life. It comes through hearing the Word of God. It comes through obeying the Word of God. Not just being hearers, as the Scripture says, but doers. Do it. Don't just hear it. Don't just amen it. Don't just sing it. Do it. You say, whoa, whoa, I got a ways to go, right? guess what? Good news. So do I. We're all in the same boat together, and I love you. I love you. You know why? Because he first loved me. And because our job is to encourage one another. That's what this is about. That's why we're here. That's why if you're listening right now on YouTube or whatever, that's why we're doing this. Because we need to encourage one another and stir one another up in the faith so that we can go from this place and do it. And do it. Okay? All right, turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do for six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass, when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all of the people shall shout with a great shout, Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth, until the day I say to you, shout, then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. 
the seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only, they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the, when the priest blew the trumpets, that Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the, the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord." So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city, and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said to the two men who spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and from there bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and gold and the vessel of bronze and vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day. That's, of course, when Joshua was writing it. Not to this day, okay? Because she hid the messengers from whom Joshua had sent to spy out Jericho. Then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city Jericho. He shall lay its foundations with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates." So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame sped, spread throughout all the country. So the famous account in the scriptures of the falling of the walls of Jericho, this is the very first battle on the other side of the Jordan River. They have now come into the land of Canaan. All the time that we spent in Deuteronomy, you know, which means, of course, second law, and Moses reiterating all of the works of the law, all the words that had been written down, and all of the things that God commanded them, and taking them through all of these different things, the blessings and the cursings, and here's what's going to happen if you do and obey the word of God and worship God only and here's what's going to happen if you go after the gods of the nations around you and all of these warnings and all of these things the blessings and the cursings now finally Moses has ascended Mount Nebo and died God had taken him and Joshua takes over and they cross the Jordan River supernaturally by the working of God's hand and they stand finally after 43 years finally the nation of Israel stands on the opposite side of the Jordan River and looking at Canaan. And standing first in their way is the city of Jericho with high and fortified walls. Now, beginning in chapter 6, it says Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. And it's like, no kidding, right? No kidding. 
From Jericho, you can see Mount Nebo, you can see the Jordan River, you could see the entire encampment where the children of Israel were camped, they could see the flame above the tabernacle. The Jerichoites, if that's the way to say it, could see it all. They saw everything, and Rahab had told the spies from the time 40 years ago when we heard about your God bringing you out of Egypt with an outstretched arm and a mighty hand and defeating the Egyptians and opening up the Red Sea and all the things that God has done, our hearts have been melting with fear because of the Lord your God. We know what he can do. And it's interesting, and it's amazing to think that these, these people from Jericho who were Canaanites in some cases, knew more about what God was able to do than his own people. Than his own people. His own people came to the city and said, we can't do it. Meanwhile, inside there, we were scared to death. It was faith that they were lacking. And the Bible talks much about that. But here the Lord announces to Joshua, see, I have given. And notice it's past tense, right? Here's something awesome and wonderful about the victories that God wants to give you, Right? He's already won them. They've already been won. Pastor Chuck, in talking about Jesus Christ healing the man with the withered hand, he said this, when Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand, he gave to him an impossible command, an absolutely impossible command. However, all of the power for that man to be able to stretch out his hand and obey the impossible command had already been given to him. He simply had to will to obey. He had to will to obey, and the battle was already won. And that's what the Lord is saying here uh, to Joshua. The city, of course, is tightly shut, shut up in preparation for a siege. Now, I want to go back into chapter 5 really quickly. And we have this beautiful scene where this morning Joshua, and all through the, the book of Joshua, we read about Joshua rising early in the morning and going out and rising early in the morning. So uh, I would guess, I would venture a guess that he was up early in the morning and he is approaching the city of Jericho. He's by himself one last time just to look it over and to see if there's anything he hasn't seen yet and to get his bearings on the land and the way and all of these things. And he sees this man. And here we have Joshua in chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. It says this, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. Okay. And Joshua went to him and said to him, uh, you know, tell you how this would have sounded. Uh, are you for us or our adversaries? So he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come, you know, you, whoa, right? Like, well, um, this, think of this scene. And it's interesting, Joshua sees him as a man. He doesn't say he saw an angel. It doesn't say that it was this powerful six-foot-eight being with long, glowing, golden hair. He saw a man with a sword drawn. He could have looked like any of the other Israelites, right? We have no idea whatsoever. And Joshua approaches him. Are you for us for, or for our adversaries? No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua, it says, fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. 
and Joshua did so. Now, all through the scriptures, anytime an angel appears to a servant of God and that servant tried to worship that angel, the angel said, see that you do not do that. I'm a servant like you. This man, so-called, receives Joshua's worship he worshipped him. He fell on his... It's funny to me. He says, take your sandal off your foot. I think when he fell on his face to worship him, he lost a shoe. You know what I mean? Because he just says, take the sandal off your foot, the one that's still on. For you are on holy ground. You remember those words before? That was when Moses was standing before the burning bush and God called him to go to Egypt to bring the people out of bondage. Take the sandals from off of thy feet for the place where thou standest is holy ground, right? The same exact thing happened. Who is this guy? And Joshua calls him Lord. Well, what we believe from what we see here and from the actions that Joshua, uh, that Joshua has towards this thing, this is Jesus Christ. We believe that this is a pre-incarnate appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the fancy term, Dad? The theophany. Christophany. Thank you. Christophany. Thank you. A Christophany. Because here is a man with a sword drawn who says he's the commander of the armies of God he allows Joshua to worship him and tells him, take off the sandals off your feet because you are standing on holy ground. Amazing, incredible. Now, remember, in the Torah, there aren't chapters and verses, okay? It's written straight through from, from book to book, and there's no chapters and there's no verses. So, so there's no chapter break, okay, between Joshua uh, chapter 5 and Joshua chapter 6. So we always stop at the end of a chapter, okay? But that's not how this is written, Verse 15 of, cha of chapter 5, the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your feet for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was securely shut up because the children of So now we are immediately looking now at the city. It's the same scene. You understand? It's the same scene. So this seems to be a continuation. Who can say for sure? But it seems to be a continuation of this conversation between Joshua and this man in verse 2 when it says, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. And then he goes on with the directions. Verses 3 through 5 lays out quite possibly the most ridiculous batter plan ever imagined. The most ridiculous battle plan ever ever imagined quite possibly. Gideon's right up there, right? Jehoshaphat is right up there. But this is crazy, right? I hope when you're reading this, you were like, it, it makes perfect sense, right? A fortified city in Canaan, they're on the front lines. Just march around the city. I'm sure they won't like drop any hot oil on you or, or shoot arrows at you. And just all you're going to do is be silent and they're going to play trumpets and march the ark around the city one time every day for six days and seven times on the seventh day, and then you're going to blow the trumpet, and the people are going to shout, and the walls are going to all fall down. I hope when you read that, you go, well, that's impossible, right? I was sitting with a, 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 a person and, and, and talking about the Lord, and, and, and it was like, well, 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 I don't believe that this could have happened, and I don't believe that that could happen, and I don't believe that God, and I said, listen, let me, let me explain something to you. It always takes faith. If you want to believe in Jehovah God, and in the Word of God, I promise you there is substantial, there is ample evidence for you to do so. If you do not want to believe in Jehovah God and the Word of God, there is plenty of information that you can believe that will lead you in the opposite direction. I guarantee you. 
it all, and this is divinely planned, in my opinion, divinely planned, it always comes back to faith. God is always going to bring you to a place in your life from the first day of your salvation to the day the rapture comes or you drop dead, right? God is always going to bring you to a place where it's the end of yourself and the beginning of belief. Always. Because the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. The very relationship we have with God is by faith. And the living out of that relationship is by faith. And the things that God does in our lives and seeks to do in our lives are through faith. It is always, always, always about faith. And you want to talk about faith. These people needed to have it. Because these are now some, you know, these are, you got the armies, you got the whole, you got the battle commanders, you got these men of war. And they say, oh, all right, Joshua, what's the plan? What's the plan? What's the plan? Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get the ark, and we're going to march around the city walls. Okay, like we're going to hang back like a mile and march around. No, no, we're, we're going to be right next to the wall, and we're going to march around it. Okay, what are we doing? Like chipping away at the mortar? What's happening here? No, 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 nothing. Uh, you're, gonna, you're just going to march. What are we going to do? Nothing. You're going to do nothing. As a matter of fact, I want you to keep your mouth shut. I don't want you to say a word. I don't want there to be a sound. I just want the people to hear the, 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 the footsteps and the trumpets, and that's it. And we're going to do that for six days, once around. And then the last day, we're going to do it seven times. And then we're going to shout. (laughs) And what what happens then? That's it. That's the end. That's it. That's the only information I've uh, been given. The satellite imagery shows that, uh, you know, can we just go jump back in the Jordan River now, right? Back in chapter 3 in verse 7, God had told Joshua that he was going to begin to exalt Joshua in the sight of Israel through the crossing of the Jordan River. This is in chapter 3 and verse 7. And it's a good thing because no soldier or commander on earth would have gone along with this plan. I think that there's something entirely else going on. Even though Joshua was now exalted, okay? Here's the new guy. He's taken over for Moses. Moses, we know. Let's see what Joshua can do. First thing God does, he tells Joshua, I'm going to exalt you before the people, and he takes him through the Jordan River. He does that same miracle that he did through Moses in bringing the people out of Egypt through the Red Sea. He takes him through the Jordan River, and so there's a trust formed there, but there's way more going on than that. I think it's not about trusting Joshua. The people at this point in time, there's several instances throughout the history of the nation of Israel when they, when they found themselves in kind of a state of grace, I guess we would call it, where all things were right between them and the Lord. And these are the most beautiful and amazing moments and times in the history of the Israeli nation, of the Israelite nation, is when they found themselves in this perfect symbiotic relationship with God. And I think that this was one of those times. They had crossed the Jordan River, we read in chapter uh, 4, and then in chapter 5, they were circumcised, okay? There's going to be a small fee, gentlemen, okay? Because these are the guys who had gone through the 40 years of wandering in the desert. None of them had been circumcised, which was the Abrahamic covenant. And so God tells Joshua they all need to be circumcised into the covenant. So they're all circumcised, okay, after they cross over the Jordan River. Then right after that, they celebrated Passover together. And then immediately after that, on the other side of the Jordan River, now in Canaan, they begin, the Bible says, to eat of the produce of the land. And the manna from heaven stops. The manna from heaven stops. This is a very, very unique special moment in their history, and I think that they were all aware of it. I think that the camp 
was vibrating with solemn, reverent worship and adoration of the Lord their God and with preparedness to follow him wherever he took them. I think they were just waiting for... Joshua could have said anything. We're going to hop, skip, and cartwheel into Jericho, and they would have been doing the cartwheels. I believe that they were waiting for whatever Joshua's word was, and they were willing to do it. And here's why. It wasn't about Joshua. It wasn't about Joshua. It was about them trusting in God. So verses 6 to 9, Joshua gives the order to the priests and the soldiers, and without hesitation, they obey. In verse 6, Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven, they immediately got up and started marching. As soon as Joshua said this, this is what we're going to do, they were on their feet and they were moving. Amazing. What we're seeing here is a very unique and precious and beautiful time in the history of the nation of Israel when they were 1,000% trusting in God. They were 1,000%. They had made themselves ready. They had partaken in the circumcision. They had partaken in Passover. They had celebrated the eating of the fruit of the land that God had promised them. The manna stops. And they know that's God saying, this is now your land to possess. And I'm going to begin to bless you through this land now. And they were ready and they were able because of their faith. I love that, because of their faith. Um, (laughs) Verses 10 to 16 is the people following the plan to the detail. Exactly what God had told Joshua, exactly what Joshua had told the people, the people followed to the detail. The word of God, right? We don't get to pick and choose, my friends. We don't get to pick and choose what parts of the word of God we choose to obey and what parts of the word of God we don't obey. God expects his children to follow the word of God to the detail to the detail. And I believe that that is an absolute, uh, it it is synonymous with the amount of faith that we have, is how closely we follow the word of the Lord. Because I guarantee you one thing, it's not going to be easy. And it's not going to make sense to you all the time. But to honor the Lord and to follow what his word says, it will always, always, always result in a blessing in your life. Maybe not the blessing you're looking for, right? but it will always result in the blessing, uh, God blessing your life and God using you as importantly. Uh, verses 10 to 16, the people following the detail, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, it says this. Now talking about the crazy battle plan, talking about the instructions that God gave him, but here's what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 11, verse 30. He says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith. It was by faith that the walls of Jericho... You can't believe some of the hypotheses that that, that, uh, historians and some theologians even have come up with to explain how the walls of Jericho fell. And not only that, the crossing of the Jordan River. Well, there was a great earthquake that happened in that time in the world, and what might have happened is a natural dam formed in, in the river, and so the children of Israel were able to cross over the dam that was forged by the earthquake... And then uh, there might have been a, a, a follow-up earthquake that, that caused the walls of Jericho to fall to the ground. It's like, why are you even reading the Bible? I don't understand. You know, there's pastors and teachers out there who do not believe in the virgin birth. 
Listen, if you don't believe in the virgin birth, it's your prerogative and right not to. You don't bash that down on anyone's head. But you say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm a teacher of the word, but I don't believe in the virgin birth. Well, then what do you believe in? It's like I tell my, some of my atheist friends, I believe in the invisible man in the sky. And since I believe in the invisible man of the sky, who I call the king of the universe, Jehovah God, any talk of that's impossible is silly. He simply can do anything he wants at any time that he wants, in any way that he wants, to accomplish his will. Do you believe that? Well, then you need not fear anything in this world, Christian. You're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Your only job, you had one job, <laughs> your only job is to follow God through Jesus Christ and be obedient to his word and sensitive to his spirit. That's your job. It's not your job to figure it out. It's not your job to know how or why. It's your job to obey, to believe, to have faith. That's where God's going to work in your life. That's the way he's going to work in your life. Uh, Hebrews 11.30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Then in verse 17, we get into the instructions concerning Rahab and her family. Uh, and, and Joshua specifically tells the spies, the two spies that went in, to bring her and her family out and to rest them. Now, this is an interesting thing. Because what this means is, do you remember where Rahab's house was? It was on the wall, remember? And she was instructed by the two spies to hang this scarlet cord out of the window of her wall so that they would know exactly where they were at. Now, how many times did they march around the wall? Right? Six times in six days and seven times on the seventh day. So whatever that adds up to, I don't have my calculator, that's what it is. Okay? They marched around the wall, okay? They marched around the wall 13 times. All the way around. They knew that that's where that scarlet cord was. They knew where that scarlet cord was. But the walls fell flat. If the walls fell flat and she lived in the wall, what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It gets weirder, Christian. You got to have even more faith, Christian. It means that the walls fell flat except for where Rahab and her family lived. Now, I don't have any problem with this. I, it doesn't, I believe that the walls were flattened and it was dust and there was one spike of walls standing up there and Rahab looking out the window going, well, I guess they really did spare us. That's what I think happened, 100%. However it was, whatever the case was, God saved Rahab. And it was again because of what? Her faith. Here she was, a Canaanite woman. Here she was, a, a citizen of the city of Jericho. And scripture tells us they call her, that every time they refer to her, the poor lady, they call her a harlot right? So at one point at time in her life at any point, she was a prostitute, and yet, and yet, she believed in the wonder-working power of God. And she believed that these people were experiencing the victory that they had experienced and were where they were because of God. And she wanted in. And she wanted in. And so she brings the spies in. She hides them. She, tells the, she sends the, 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 the search party in a different direction. And she tells the spies, listen, remember me and my family. Please, we want to be counted amongst those who believe. And God will find. What about the guy who lives in the jungles of South America? His two friends are a lemur and a three-toed sloth. A toucan speaks to him, and he's never heard. He's never heard. Who's your God? Who's your God? 
I, I wanted to get there, Gabriel. Look, it, it's in South America, in the jungle. I don't even have a rain jacket. How am I supposed to get it? It's God. How is he going to get However the heck he wants. The toucan can be like, oh, I need to be saved. Well, Jesus, whatever. How much faith do you have? Does your faith go all the way? Does your faith go halfway? Where does it begin? Where does it end? Hey, God wants it all, brother. God wants all your faith. God wants you obedient in every circumstance, in every situation. He never wants you to look at the walls of Jericho and balk at the power and strength that this world has. He wants you to know and believe that my God, the creator of all the universe, can flatten any wall. And he can bring the word to any group of people or any person. My job is not to worry about that. My job is to worry about me. And that's a full-time job, friend. God, what do you want me to do? God, what are you calling me to do? The obstacles are irrelevant. They don't mean anything because of who your God is. And so by faith... Rahab hid the spies. By faith, she let them out through the window in the wall. And by faith, her and her entire family were rescued. And by... Is that me? Yeah. I got a video plan. You see what I'm saying? It's a full-time job up here for heaven. I need a handler. Honey, you should just sit here during the service. You know what I mean? Just poke me. You idiot, your phone's talking. By faith, let's go back. By faith, Rahab believed. I want to be counted amongst those who believe. And listen to me. The only thing anyone ever in the history of the universe ever here for needs to do is will to believe. What may we do, the people said to Jesus, that we may do the work of God. And Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one whom he sent. And do not balk, but have faith. Your God is a wonder-working God. And the circumstances and the situation and the high and mighty walls and the giants in your life and the rivers in your life and the floods in your life in your basement are meaningless. They cannot stop your God. But the battle is going to come. The battle is going to come. The day may come when they walk through that door and take me out of here in cuffs for saying something that's in the Bible that the world says you must not say. Oh, well, guess what? They need preachers in prison too, right? Somebody's got to bring the word if that's God's will. You see, I can walk through this life utterly and absolutely victorious. I'm immortal, friend. You say, you need a doctor. No, no, I'm immortal, the Bible teaches me when I close my eyes in death, my spiritual eyes will instantaneously be opened and I will be in glory with my Father. I will see Jesus face to face. And my beloved family and friends who know him, who've gone before me, will be there as well. I have no fear in this world. And I have absolutely no fear whatsoever of the world's opinion of what I ought to believe. Because my faith is in Almighty God. It's not in the government, for heaven's sakes. It's not in the media, for heaven's sakes. And it's certainly not in social media. No, okay, you get the idea. I'm going to fall down over here. 
Now, lastly, I want to finish with this. <laughs> some people are like, no, and some people are like, please, for the love of God, I wish you'd fall down flat, you know. Verses 18 and 19, abstain from the accursed things, the order that Joshua gives the people. When you go into the city, this city, remember guys, this is the first battle, this is the first city, this is the first encounter in the land of Canaan. This is the first fruits of the offerings to God. Now, we can talk about the fact that God said, go in and slaughter everyone and everything. And immediately your mind and my mind goes, why? 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 I don't know. I don't know. I know this, that God sending the children of Israel, the nation of Israel into the land of Canaan was God's judgment on the land of Canaan. He spoke it in various places, all the way going back to Abraham, specifically saying you're not going in now because of the sins of the Amorites have not yet reached their fulfillment. The time is coming in this world, ladies and gentlemen, when the sins of the usites are going to reach its fulfillment. Jesus Christ is going to return. He's going to take his church out of this world. And seven years called Jacob's trouble, the most unbelievably awful time that has ever been in the history of the universe is going to fall on planet earth as God's judgment is rained down on unbelieving people who refused to believe in his word, who refused to worship his holy name, and instead made themselves their own God. And that seven-year tribulation is going to be the final dividing line between those who are willing to come to God through Jesus Christ and those who are not. Finally, that's going to be made absolutely clear through what we call the mark of the beast. Okay? It's coming. You may not believe it. A lot of the people in Canaan didn't believe it. Sodom and Gomorrah certainly didn't believe it until it was too late. But here's what I know. The angel said to Lot before he drug him out of the city, we can't destroy this place until you're gone. And that's our blessed hope, Christian. That's our blessed hope. God is going to do what God is going to do. He is the judge of all the earth. And I don't know why he does some of the things he does. And I really don't like the idea of hell. Period. For Osama bin Laden, it's easy, right? for Hitler, for this one. But what about my neighbor over here who's a good guy or a good lady? She just didn't believe in Jesus, but she was a good person. I don't know how God is going to deal with people who don't believe in Jesus Christ, who scripture teaches unequivocally will be separated from God for all eternity. Now, just as the Bible points out that there are going to be degrees of reward for those of us who are in Jesus Christ, quite possibly there's degrees of punishment. I don't know the answer. Here's what I do know. You don't want to find out. And I don't want anyone in my life to find out. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, today is the day of your salvation. Not yesterday and not tomorrow. Today. Come up here after church. Call me at three in the morning. I'll be up anyways, loathing myself. But you need to come to Jesus Christ. And your friends and your family need to come to Jesus Christ. Because here's what the scripture teaches us. We're watchmen. And when we see the sword coming, we sound the alarm. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to offend them either, friend. I don't. I don't like when people don't like me. I like to be universally loved by all. But when you speak the truth, you draw a line in the sand, especially when it's God's truth. And some are going to hate you, plain and simple. 
But when I stand before the Lord God, I want him to say, there's no one I put in your path that you were the last line between them and hell and you failed to tell them. Now that is something I don't want to be associated with because the Bible says that watchman, the blood of those people are on his head. We got a job to do. First, love and worship the Lord our God. Second, love the people around us. All of it by faith. By faith and obedience to what God's word says. All of what God's word says. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. Thank you for who you are, Father, and for calling us. Uh, Lord, we acknowledge to you that we don't know why. Uh, we don't deserve it, Father, and yet you've bestowed upon us all of your love and your grace and your mercy, the forgiveness of our sins through Jesus Christ, our Lord, Father. And in his name, we come before you into your throne, into your throne room, Father, and we call you our Father. We call you Abba, our Heavenly Father. And we ask, Lord God, that you would empower us with your Holy Spirit to walk in victory in this life, to have faith, and to put all the things in our lives and around our lives and of our lives in your hands and allow you to use us, Father, to preach the gospel to this world. Lord, they so desperately need it. People are so sad. They're so angry. They feel disenfranchised. They feel betrayed. They feel left behind, Lord God. And you don't do that. And we pray that you'd use us, Lord, in these days that we live in to be a clarion call of light and hope and truth, to be cities on a hill, to be salt to the earth and light in dark places, Lord. Father, help us to be obedient to your word. Help us to know your word. Help us to commit ourselves to studying words, your word so we know exactly what it says. We pray, Father, that you would have your way in this church, in each of our hearts, in our homes, at our places of employment, Father, in the grocery store, at our leisure time, Lord, wherever that is, in the woods, on the track, on the golf tee, wherever it is, Lord, that you would be preeminent in our lives and our lives would be simply vessels to be used for your honor to lead people to Christ, Lord. We love you and we praise you. Bless my brothers and sisters, Lord. Take them from this place in peace and watch them and guide them with your loving hand, Father. Lead them along paths, your paths of righteousness and holiness and truth. Lord, cause your face to shine upon them and show them your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Love you guys.